All right, here we are, wrapping up 2019, looking forward to 2020. And whether 2019 was a good year, a bad year, a rough year, a meh year, I bet most of us have already had the thoughts about what we would like to see happen in 2020. So let me ask you all to go ahead and get your minds going through all those goals, all those plans, those hopes, and those wishes that you were looking forward to in 2020. All right, got those in your mind? Friends, I can tell you that all of your dreams shall come true because I have 2020 vision. Okay, I know that's totally not true at all, but coming from a guy who has bad vision, I just had to get that 2020 vision joke out of the way before everybody else starts using it in this upcoming new year. But I'll be honest with you, it would be sure really, really nice if all my plans, all my good intentions played out the way that I wanted them to in this next year. Because not all of them certainly did last year, and I'm sure that's how it goes for most all of us. The stories of our lives are filled with these unachieved goals, plans that maybe go awry, or just those unexpected circumstances that life throws us into. But that's also how it goes for characters in a story. A character can only see and react to what is happening around them. They may not know or they can know just a little bit. Maybe they can just see in part from maybe what's happened before them and to where they are now. But that's only a part. They don't see the whole picture, the beginning, middle, and end of the story. But the writer does. And as my English, high school English teacher told me, there is a purpose in everything that is written in a story. Now, again, characters don't know that, even if they are seeking to find that purpose or if they're just going with the flow and following the events of the story. But it is the events and the circumstances that the characters find themselves in that progress that story along. And us, if we're reading a story as the readers, we connect with the characters in the moments of struggle or of realization or triumph. And it's even more dramatic when we, the readers, look on and we see what a character assumes to be the end is merely a turn into the next chapter, a next part of an adventure. In our gospel reading today, that is where we find Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus. Joseph has been through a lot at this point. That awkward part where he almost quietly divorced Mary because she was pregnant, then a visit from an angel saying, don't do that because this is God's child, the Savior. Then traveling to Bethlehem for the census thing where they find that there's no rooms available when they get there, and then the baby's born, and then they have to lay the baby in an animal trough. And then these shepherds and these magi come through the town and find them, and they come together to worship this baby, the Savior. I'm sure Joseph thought this was a grand conclusion. He had overcome so many struggles at this point, and they had made, made it through everything. God's Son had been born on earth, and he's ready to close this book. This is surely the final pages. Let's, let's close this thing off. But then, one night, an angel visits Joseph in a dream with this strange message. Get up. Take Jesus with you and run. Herod is coming to kill the child. Wait a minute. 
This, this is not how things are supposed to go in this story. We came here through so much, and now God is amongst us. The Savior is here, the prophecy is fulfilled, and it's time for God to save his people and wrap up this story. Not quite. But just like a really good story, what the characters thought was supposed to be the ending is just the beginning. And in our case, this is the beginning of the New Testament the story of God's work on earth. But three times, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph, and each time it requires the family to move. And I'm sure many of, of us have had this experience where if you have to move your family several times in a short period of time, that is just a whole other chapter of life in itself. That's a lot of trouble and stress. But they do what they're told, and they finally settle in the district of Galilee where they make their home in Nazareth. And now take note that this whole entire time, Joseph has been faithful to God. Joseph knows that to follow the Lord, it requires a couple of different things. It requires this attentiveness to God's word, however it appears. It requires this willingness to go where God's voice directs to it, wherever he hears it, and to do what the Spirit suggests as the moment occurs. All the while, Joseph is knowing and he is trusting that he is in God's continued care and enfolded in God's continued love. So I want us to think about our lives and this upcoming year. What strange message is God sending to us? And then how are we going to respond to that message? Because here's the thing. God may ask us to do some unexpected things. Actually, God is going to ask us to do some unexpected things. But here's the good part about it. We can find comfort in these different adventures that God may ask us to jump into because God has given us these examples from good old-fashioned Bible stories here. I mean, just think back. Noah, out of nowhere, he gets this message. Noah, I need you to build this really gigantic boat, and we're going to put all the animals on it, and I'm going to need you to build it right here on this dry land. It's going to be just you and your family, and everybody's going to laugh at you but I'm going to flood this entire place. That would be really weird, but we know what comes after that. Or how about when Moses and his brother Aaron are finally able to convince Pharaoh to let the, the Israelites go, and they're going to leave Egypt. They're going to head north to the promised land that has been foretold to them, except then God tells them, okay, don't go north to the promised land. Go south. I need you to go south, end up at the Red Sea where there's nowhere really else to go, and if Pharaoh and the Egyptians pursue you, you're going to be trapped, and there's no possible way to escape. Great plan, right? Not quite so much, but we know the parting of the Red Sea. The Israelites cross safely. Pharaoh's army is washed away. It's a pretty good story. And then one of my favorites, obviously, David and Goliath, all right? Take a young boy, all right? Uh, don't take any armor. Maybe take just a few pebbles, and we need you as a, as a young man to go up against this giant top warrior of the Philistine army. But it's these moments that lead to such good stories. And finally, we even look at the, the life of Jesus and at the end of his time where he's telling his disciples, in order for me to save you, to save God's people, I have to die. Doesn't make sense to those characters at the time, but it's such a good story. And the writer knows what he's doing through these stories. Now, 
then we turn it to us today. And we may be saying to ourselves, okay, those are good, great stories, and I've read lots of great stories with lots of twists and, and great endings, but I'm not one of those people. I'm not one of those characters. I mean, I can't be expected to do these great things. My life's pretty ordinary, or maybe I'm just not the best character to play this role. But I tell y'all, I truly believe, and I love this saying because I just know it to be true. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Because God does things in strange ways. And then the selection of people that he chooses to use, okay, those are just as bizarre. From prophets, priests, prostitutes, shepherds, magi, kings, murderers, fishermen, tax collectors, a carpenter, and his young bride. I mean, what a cast of characters he's chosen to make this story with here. But here's the thing. God, in all of these situations, in all of these stories, always provided for his people. And to this day, if God calls us to do something, the Lord will provide the ways and he will provide the means to accomplish whatever tasks that we've been asked to do. That's a pretty good guarantee. Now, I want to think about back on my life here, one of the strangest calls that I got from God. Some of you might know it, some of you might not, but it was whenever I was at college at Texas Tech. I had learned after my first year of college that I was not called to be a medical doctor. That was definitely not my calling, I learned out. And so I'd switched over to the business school. I thought, if I can't serve people by being a doctor, then I could certainly work in the hospital on the business side as an administrator. And that could be the way that I think God could use me to, to serve his people. And so I'd finished up uh, a semester early in December, and I was starting into the grad program there. I was going for my master's in health organizational management. Exciting field, but, you know, I really did, did like it, and I enjoyed it. At that time, I was also working part-time as a youth director in this tiny little Methodist church in a little West Texas town northwest of Lubbock. Just fun little great part-time job to have uh, in a great little church family out there. And it was during about spring break of that spring semester then. It was the Sunday wrapping up spring break. And I was uh, sitting in the Sunday school class. One of the elders was leading a class series at that time. And I'm telling you, I promise, I was awake and I was paying attention. I wasn't dozing off or anything. I was in tune there. But sometime during this class, this, this vision, this kind of daydream almost a thing, just came into my mind where I saw myself up in a pulpit preaching. And it was very clear at that moment that God was calling me into the ministry. And I sat there in that chair for just a moment thinking, like, okay, all right, God, I understand this message. I'll go into the ministry. I think that, you know, becoming a pastor would really be a great way to finish off my career and it'd be a great way to retire. You know, after I've done my time serving in hospitals to just finish off being a pastor there. And then this new kind of wave of the vision and sense just came upon me. No, now. I had to sit a little bit longer with that thought there because I was always thinking, it's like, wait a minute, God, I'm, I'm on this path. I mean, I did my undergrad. I'm in my grad program here for going down this one track. Mom's not going to be too happy because, you know, she's helped put a lot of money in this college career of mine. And like, this is where I'm supposed to go. And, but no, into the ministry. Okay, but... But wait, God, so here's the thing. It's at the end of spring break in the spring semester. Everybody applying to seminary has already got their applications in. They've already been accepted. And that means all, like, most living places are going to be, you know, taken already. There's not even going to be a spot for me to live, even if I could get into seminary. 
Okay, fine. But God, if this is you truly calling me, then you will open the doors for me to get into seminary and have a place to live. And if you'll do that, I will step through this door. Well, very quickly after that, some way, somehow, I'm not really sure, I was accepted to Austin Presbyterian Theological Seminary, and my grandmother, Poppy Hulsey, living in Sun City at that time, phoned me up and said that she would be delighted to have me as her roommate for my first year of seminary life. And I thought, thanks, God, okay, stepping through this door. Okay, at that time, I didn't fully understand the message. Right? Nor could I have predicted all that would happen to me by answering that call. I mean, going down here to Austin to, to go for a seminary degree there, to reconnect with one of my best friends, and then later getting to marry her as well. And then having kids? Oh my gosh, I never could have imagined that from the get-go. And so many other things that I now can see. Wow. This is an amazing story, and it is such a blessing in my life. And I hope, in the lives of some other people as well. So here's the thing. I want to challenge us as a church, both just as a whole congregation and as individual members of the body of Christ, to seek out and just be ready for those strange messages from God. Here's the thing. We've got a new pastor. He's full of energy. He is full of the Spirit. And you may not know this then, but he's also he's six months younger than me. I'm still trying to get my head around that one now. Right? And, and even before Pastor Bobby arrived here, y'all, we managed to continue this pace, this good set pace of being an active and engaging church. Right? And I know Pastor Bobby is using this first year to understand and you know, get in the groove of the culture of this church to get to know us and become a part of this church family before he's like, going to make any like, major moves or directions for our church here. But as this church family continues to move forward, in whatever direction God leads us, I want us to keep up that pace and to not shy away from those opportunities to glorify God, to serve God, and to serve God's people, right? So how do we, how do we get ready for these strange messages that we know are going to be coming at us here, all right? I want to look back here at what Joseph, the example that he set for us, three things, we need to be attentive to God's word, however it appears, right? Whether that's a dream, angels, visions, scriptures, sermons, conversations with people, or just those situations that God puts us in. Be attentive to God's word. Also, we need to have a willingness to go where God's voice directs us, wherever it's heard. So that usually means that we're going to be called out of our comfort zones that we might be called to new places, or that we might be called in the common, ordinary parts of our lives to do more for the kingdom of God. And third, we need to do what the Spirit suggests as the moment occurs. I know in my example there, I always thought, yes, answering the call to ministry is a great idea, far off. When I'm ready for it, I'll go into ministry. And that's not what God is asking for. Usually when God is asking us to do something, it's very time in that regard. We're like, it's now time, all right? So to get up and go now to act and to do. And so this is where I want us to be like Joseph. Take Jesus and go. Whether it's in a new mission field or it's in your current job or your current circle of friends, I want to encourage you 
to be bold in your faith that God has given you and the love that he's going to want to share through you because, come on, y'all, we know it. This world needs a lot more of God's love in it. We may not fully understand how that plays out in the world around us, but let us faithfully play our parts. Because our part of the story, it's not always just about us, nor is it necessarily for us. We might often forget that the stories of our lives are to bring glory to God. They also strengthen our faith, and they encourage and strengthen the faith of others. It's not just our one little story, but this is all part of God's big story. And the Lord, we remember, is the perfect author, and he does write some really good stories. So, remember... Strange messages, they make for some good stories, even if the characters at the time don't know it yet. But here's the thing, an essential piece of every single one of those messages coming from God is that you must take Jesus and go. So when we're heading out into an unknown chapter of our lives, say a new year right in front of us here, be on the lookout for those strange messages from God. And I get it. I know it's scary, but take confidence in knowing that God is always with us. So be prepared by being attentive to God's word, be willing to go wherever, and take that immediate action. Do it now. So if you remember nothing else from the sermon today, I just challenge you to what I'm calling to pull a Joseph here. Take Jesus with you and go.